Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Our first lesson is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. That is Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Good morning, church. My name is Ben Mathis. We're going to pull it back together. We've got a great passage out of the eighth chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning in verse 27. Let's listen together to the word of God. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Now we skip down to verse 34. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples, and Jesus said to them, If anyone wants to become one of my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Again, thank you for letting me come to see you today. It has been so long since I've been in this church. Jim Johnson was your pastor the last time I was here. It goes back that far. In the meantime, a lot of things have happened. During the war in Congo, as an example, our organization was under the umbrella of a large rebel movement called the Rally for a Democratic Congo. General Adolfo Unasumba commanded 40,000 troops. He controlled 40% of the Congo in a war that lasted seven years involved nine African nations, cost five million lives, and succeeded in replacing one dictator with another. During the war, the general and I would communicate by email, so it wasn't that uncommon to get an email that said, don't come to the Congo right now because times are bad. Except, except, the general and I had a code 
We had a very simple one word code. And if that one word wasn't in the subject line of the email, the email was fake. This was somebody trying to keep us from coming to do our job. So I decided I'd have some fun. I wrote the general right back and I said, oh, thank you for that good word. Are you gonna be at the conference in Paris? And he wrote right back and said, oh, of course I am, send me details. Well, I had Rita Hardin and Bonnie Kaczynski, my two travel agents, put together an entire conference at that Hilton Hotel that sits right next to the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. Some of you have stayed there. I sent the general all the details and I said, look, the day before I will send a fax to the hotel, it will give you the schedule for all the events. He said, that's perfect. Well, of course, at the last minute, we canceled all the reservations. But the day before the conference, I sent a fax. And the fax read, General Unasumba, we have been discovered. I'll meet you at the safe house in Berlin. And I signed it, Ben. Now, probably nothing happened. But it is so much fun to imagine the hotel is filled with the dictator's thugs and he thinks, we've got them all now. And all they get is a fax and they're going, where's Berlin and where's the safe house and who has this guy been? All because of one missing word. So it got me thinking about the power of one word. If I say liberty, America, freedom. Okay, if I say children, eh. If I say grandchildren, if I say parents, if I say grandparents, what if I say yes, no, maybe? What if I say bacon? How about Jesus? You know, if you take the top 100 words used in our language, the number one word is the. Number 10 is I, number 100 is we, and while we're doing numbers, there are 360 million Americans, 240 million of us are Christians who worship in over 400,000 churches, and yet, and yet the name Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, Savior, none of those words make the list of the top 100 words used in our language. And yet, did you hear what Paul said? that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. You know, when we preach, we go back and we read the text in different languages. For the New Testament, I read it in Latin, Greek, and English. In English, it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. If you read it in Latin and Greek, it doesn't say that. In English, at the name of Jesus. In Latin and Greek, it says, in the name of Jesus. And I know what you're thinking, oh my gosh. Ben is here, he's gonna preach about in and at. Jill, tell Ben I'm in my pew, I'm at my nap, and wake me up when this thing's over. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just teasing. Stay with me, because there's a difference. I mean, think about this. You know, you can be at a football game, or you can be in the football game. You can be at the hospital, you can be in the hospital. You can be at a wreck, you can be in a wreck. One is a spectator and the other is a participant. Is anybody from Memphis that'll admit it besides me? All right, tell me after, I saw a hand do this, okay. <laughs> many, many years ago, I was a very young law enforcement chaplain in Memphis. 
This never happened, so it made the news right across the river in Turl Twist, Arkansas. An elderly woman was all by herself, and four thugs kicked in her front door and came charging in the house. This was such big news, they sent a television reporter over to interview this lady, and she said, what happened? And the elderly lady said, I was sitting there minding my own business when these boys kicked in the door, and here they came. And the reporter goes, what did you do? The lady said, I stood up, I pointed a bony finger at those boys, and I hollered, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And the reporter's giggling, and she said, well, what happened? The old lady bowed up, and she said, they ran like scalded dogs. <laughs> There's power in the name of Jesus, amen? That's why the eighth chapter of Mark is so important. By the eighth chapter of Mark, Jesus is with his disciples. That's Matthew and James and John and Thomas and Peter and Judas and you. And by the eighth chapter of Mark, you, disciples, you've seen people fed physically and spiritually. You've seen lives healed. You've seen people changed. You've seen reconciliation and forgiveness. And now Jesus wants to know, well, who do you think I am? So he gives us a little look at his humanity by saying, well, who do others say that I am? Well, you're Eliza, you're Jeremiah, you're John the Baptist, you're one of the prophets. And then it all comes down to this. Jesus said, but, but who do you say that I am? And this is where we have the limitations of a printed word. It, it doesn't tell us what went on in the hearts of those first disciples any more than we know what goes on in your heart when you hear Jesus ask you, who do you say that I am? By now was Judas thinking, you know, you sure do cause a lot of trouble. How about Thomas, the doubter? What did Matthew do for a living? Come on, tax collector, thank you. What's he thinking? He's thinking about money. Now, can't you see Matthew? Yeah, no. I don't know who you are. But if you keep doing these miracles, we're going to make a lot of money. I'm going to buy a house on the water in Galilee. You just keep doing what you're doing. And we don't know any of that. All it says is Peter answered. And it is the word for a very casual reply. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter answered. I don't know why Mark chose that word. Someday I'm going to ask him because that's not the Peter we know. Peter walked on water. Peter took the sword. Peter is the rock. In this text, it's like Peter said, well, you're the Christ, and, and yes, I'll have another piece of toast, please. It's that casual. No, it's Peter proclaiming, you are the Christ. He's the first person to do it. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, okay, if you want to move from being a spectator to a participant, here's what you do. Take up your cross and follow me. Have you heard that text before? Raise your hand real quick. Of course you have. We have blamed everything on that cross. It's your sin. You've got to carry your sins wherever you go. No, it's not. This may be a great big surprise to you, but Jesus already knows you're grumpy. He knows you're mean. Jesus knows you're greedy, you're unfaithful, you're addicted, you're in debt up to here. Jesus knows that. The miracle is he loves us and wants to use us to participate in the kingdom anyway. Take up your cross. You know what the cross really is? It's much more difficult than our sin. The cross is what I call the burden 
of hope. It's recognizing that no matter the situation, no matter the setting, no matter the time, no matter the people, no matter the language, no matter the country, no matter anything, wherever you are, because of Jesus Christ, you have to carry on your heart the knowledge that you are part of the answer. You are not part of the problem. And you've got to carry that wherever you go. You heard about the fighting in Luebo. 250 men, women, children massacred in ways I, I couldn't tell any of the men in this place. The army was sent in to stop the massacre, and they joined in. And yet in the middle of all this horror, we learned something just incredible. You, you've seen the dresses that women wear in Africa. It's usually about 17 yards of cloth that they wrap around them. It's usually colorful. It might have birds or flowers or pictures or names on it. In the middle of this massacre, we learned that women who wore dresses that had the name of Jesus on it were spared. Why? The two reasons, the supernatural power of God and his angels to protect us, don't ever forget that. And the reality that even the savages know without the people of Jesus, there's no hospital, there's no school, there's no clean water, there's no food, there's no hope. And so those women were spared. So you know what we did. We bought all the cloth we could find that said, Yesu Udimukalingi, Jesus is Lord. And we literally wrapped every woman we could find in the name of Jesus. Again, say amen. Come on, say amen. That's incredible. How did it happen? Somebody understood the next verse. What good's it gonna do you to gain the world and lose your soul? And if you're like me, the first thing you think about is, well, I better not buy that new truck. No, that's not it at all. There's nothing wrong with a new bobble and a bangle. There's nothing wrong with a new truck, a new boat, another house at the beach, that seventh jet. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a great feeling to get something new, isn't it? Kind of lifts you up. It's a legacy. It's a sign of success. It's a goal. It's a reward. It can be so many different things that make you so happy and so proud until you realize, I got to pay taxes on that thing. I got to insure that, th I got to feed that thing. And all of a sudden that brand new thing just becomes another thing. Now what Jesus is saying is if you want to experience a sense of contentment and joy that goes to the depths of your soul, then do something selfless for somebody else. Think about it. How do you think the family feels that wrote the check, we bought the cloth, we wrapped the women and we saved their lives? I can't do that again. I did that pretty good. That's all right. How do you think they feel? How do you think it feels to sit back and say, oh my goodness, all we did was write a check and those women are alive. It's that simple. If you want a taste of that, you, you've got it with you today. It's in your bulletin. There, here's a list. Here's a list of things and countries and places where you serve. Here's a global mission offering. This is so simple. We're only trying to raise $30,000. Do me a favor. Write a check and then tear it up. Double it, write it again, and put it back in here. <laughs> and let me show you what's gonna happen. If you look through here, I just had more fun. I looked at this, this is the Middle East. They will say to you, There's Russia, they'll say, There's Pakistan, you can use Shukriya. There's Kenya, There's Africa, for me it's Congo. There's Ethiopia, Amaset Ganalu. 
Think about that. In all of those languages, that's people saying to you, thank you, as we say in Georgia. It is that simple to change the world for Christ. He's not teasing. He says right here, if you're ashamed of me now, I'm going to be ashamed of you. But, it's always a but. But there's some of you sitting right here who will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God. That's the takeaway for today. The takeaway is take a day. Take one day. If you're like me, your day starts at 3 o'clock in the morning if you're my age. I've either had a bad dream about something around the world or it's three o'clock in the morning and I've got to get up and go to the bathroom, or it's three o'clock in the morning and one of my elderly buddies has called me on the telephone to tell me that he just found an adorable picture of kittens on the internet and he just wanted to share. (laughs) I, I did it this morning. I get back in bed and I always start at the cross. Always start at the cross. Say that with me. Always start at the cross. And I lay in the bed and I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me, for my family, for the church, for our world. And I have found that as the praises go up, the blessings come down and I fall right back to sleep. When I wake up, the first thing I tell my wife is, I love you and Jesus loves you too. My wife's name is Sweet Pooey. And today driving over here at 7.30, I called my wife and I said, Precious Jesus loves you and I love you too. And she said the cutest thing. She went, great. And she hung up the phone. (laughs) Well, then I got a routine because we've all got routines and I have three places where there's going to be traffic. In place number one, I say the Lord's Prayer right out loud so that I hear it. That's different than saying it in your head. Try that. At place number two, I say the 23rd Psalm right out loud because I can hear it when I do that. And the third time I have to stop, I'm praying I don't kill the guy in front of me who started this mess in the first place. No, teasing. I pray for all my friends. And then I get to work and I'm not nearly as wired up as I would be otherwise by traffic. When we go to lunch and the server walks up and says, what do you have? Try this. I like to say, well, I'm getting ready to have the blessing. What can I pray for for you? The other day I prayed for Christy's little boy, Tommy, who's a year old and in the hospital in Atlanta. Before that, I prayed with Felicia in Charlotte that she would get an apartment she could afford. Prayed with a woman in Mississippi at a chicken joint. She was the manager and she was anxious and we prayed right there in the smell of fried chicken. And I prayed with a woman in Bardstown, Kentucky, whose adult daughter was misbehaving. It's a moving experience. Let me give you a little tip. If, if you look at somebody and say, what can I pray for for you? And they go, oh, like the world has ended. Here's what you say. Well, I'm getting ready to have the blessing. Uh, what can I pray for for you? And they go, oh, you say, oh, it's okay. A little Jesus never hurt anybody. And you will be amazed at what people will tell you. This is fun to say. I have two friends who are actually Ethiopian evangelists, Zemed and Aster. Aster went to China to preach. And when she got back from China, I said, oh, how did it go? She had the most wonderful response. She said, oh, the Lord showed up and showed off. Well, here's what I've learned. If we can begin to include Jesus in the everyday moments of our lives, you will find that you'll move from being a a spectator to a participant in the kingdom of God. And you will find in the most wonderful ways that the Lord will show up and show off in your life. And who knows, if we could get enough people doing that, who knows, maybe someday the name of Jesus would be more popular than the word bacon.
God bless you. Help us as you can. You stay strong and God bless America. Let's pray together. Father, your word is so simple to remind us about everyday moments. Oh, we get so busy and we're dodging traffic and kids and work and retirement and getting older and school and oh, the list goes on and on. Father, in the midst of all the dodging, remind us to include you, that we should pray for others, we should claim your presence in our lives, that we should give thanks at every turn, for we ask this prayer thankfully in the name of Jesus our Lord, amen.